Hello, this is Jane. You are listening to the Philotic Ansible, an endless game podcast brought to you by the Philoticware.net and endlessansible.com. things that are being cut, there's a lot of things in Ender's Game which set up the follow-up novels, and a lot of those seem to have been cut. I'm thinking here particularly uh, of the... Sister Carlotta, um, it doesn't seem like she's been cast if they're trying to merge the thing with Ender's Shadow. So we haven't seen any indication of Bean's backstory being included, and we've explicitly been told that the Locke and Demosthenes subplot is being omitted. Uh, that's right. Everything that we've been told up to this point has said that those things won't be included, which kind of calls into question, if there is a sequel, how would they go about choosing between maybe picking one of the, the later Shadow books or Speaker for the Dead, if they choose to go the Speaker for the Dead route, I think we're going to be losing a lot of our favorite characters. Dean um, wouldn't be there. Peter wouldn't be there. And I think that for box office reasons, I'm not sure that would be a really great move. Yeah, I think it's also some of the vibes I've gotten based on who's producing this and the uh, kind of the wild grabbings about for young adults or preteen friendly franchises in the wake of Harry Potter and Twilight. We've recently seen Hunger Games made into movies that they're really looking to be able to market this towards a preteen or teen or young adult audience. And I don't think the Speaker for the Dead follow-up standards game are at all friendly in that direction. I think those are much more movies that you would expect an adult science fiction fan to enjoy, but would be right. Of, of course, Speaker for the Dead would probably be too mature for a preteen audience that some entertainment via Lionsgate might be shooting for. And of course, there there are so many critics that might argue that um, this film, Speaker for the Dead, has already been made in it's called Avatar, and that anything that Summit and or Lionsgate could produce wouldn't wouldn't live up to what Avatar, what a success Avatar was. You know, I I don't think that's a fair criticism, though, because even though on a surface level you have the the, the isolated human colony going native plot and you have the forest environment, I think they're drastically different stories. And I, I, I just, I don't see, you know, Avatar overlapping that much with with Speaker for the Dead. You know, we heard Avatar referred to as, you know, as Pocahontas. And I don't get the Pocahontas vibe from Speaker for the Dead. I guess it's the easiest way to say, you know, there may be aliens, there may be trees, there may be, 
humans living in a dangerous and isolated colony. But all of those are things that have been common in one form or another in science fiction going, you know, going back decades. You could just barely say that Speaker for the Dead was a ripoff of Return of Jedi as you could Avatar. You know, you have, you have the, you have the primitive forest people sheltering, uh, well, I guess, you know, maybe not Speaker for the Dead, but, you know, Xenocide and Children of the Mind could be called ripoffs of Return of the Jedi just as easily as Speaker for the Dead could be called a ripoff of Avatar. I, I think we would agree that maybe the plots differ enough, uh, even if some of the plot elements or, you know, some of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The setting of the story may be similar, but I think the plot and characters are different enough. They have very distinct feelings. What do you think about that? I think that you're right. I think that um, that overall, because the dead after aren't that similar. Although I do remember when I saw Avatar in theaters, wow, this reminds me so much of Speaker for the Dead. Definitely. I remember thinking that while I was sitting in the theater, but I, I don't think they're too similar. I think that's an argument a lot of people would make. You know, people who just wouldn't want to see Speaker for the Dead um, translated on big screen. And another thing to think about is if Speaker for the Dead were to become um, a sequel film, there's so much less action and joy, especially um, the preaching audience who really like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so what on Speaker for the Dead, and the only way I could see this turning into a pre-young adult film would be a focus on Nobuna's children. But they're really, they're not the central characters, and so I to make that movie would really have, you'd have to do violence to the source material to make them the central characters. Uh, and, and I think for a pre-teen and young adult audience that the Shadow series is a much more natural fit for franchise to be turned into a movie franchise, except that we have no indication that they're filling in any of the backstory for Bean. And it, a shield is just such a huge component of those that I, I have to wonder how they would manage to throw him in at the last minute. Do you have any thoughts on perhaps adapting Ender's Shadow in the follow-ups instead of Speaker? You know, I think it would be very hard for them to make a successful Shadow series sequel without those central characters, but I think there's room enough in the beginning of a possible sequel where they could introduce a little bit of background, you know, into that beginning part. I, I think that it's very necessary to a Shadow series sequel, but I think that there's room enough to, to reintroduce those characters like Carlotta and the Shield. Okay, so in your opinion, what would be some of the other possible downsides of the Shadow series? I mean, to me, it seems, and I think to a lot of people, it seems like the obvious choice. But why might they not go that route? Do you have any opinions on that subject? I think fans, first of all, would miss seeing Ender on the big fantasy. Ender is both obviously everyone's favorite character, and I think to exclude Ender from any sequel would be a huge mistake on part of the production. I mean, we can't ignore the fact that Asa Butterfield and Abigail Breslin, who plays Valentine, 
would be missing from a Shadow series sequel, and that these two actors are going to contribute uh, big numbers to the box office just because the fact that they're established actors. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point, although... You know, at least up until now, I would argue that Haley Steinfeld uh, as Petra is perhaps the more established actor, uh, or, you know, maybe even the most well-established of the young actors. I agree. And and she is certainly pivotal in the Ender series, or I'm sorry, in the the Shadow series. Um, But, you know, one thing that's crossed my mind is... Would it be possible if they really wanted to try and keep the core of their current cast intact? Uh, you know, could they somehow tie in the Ender and Exile series, or the at least the beginning portions of Ender and Exile, in with the Shadow series, and maybe continue both stories in parallel? Do you think that's a feasible option, or something that they might consider to keep Ender and Valentine in the story? I could definitely see that. Um, I think it would be interesting have these two kind of different settings, Ender and Valentine, um, off in the New Worlds, and then everything that is happening back on Earth. But, but there would be kind of like a time gap, relativistic time gap, which might be a little weird, but I don't know, I think it would be that bad. I think. Yeah. Refresh my mind, is part of investment counselor part of Ender, Ender and Exile? Wait, Investment Counselor comes before Ender in Exile? I think it was worked into part of that, right? I, oh, memory of Ender in Exile is not fresh enough to... I'm pretty sure it is, but I think I just... Something that I thought of, which I think is a little funny, is how how might the production go about introducing Jane in a world where we have Siri um, on our iPhones? I think, how can we do that without getting people by asking? Well, you know, uh, I think the really interesting part of Jane, it, you know, it's not just the, uh, you know, kind of the, the earpiece interaction, um, as it is the, you know, there's also the her being able to present herself as a hologram, uh, which I think is a very interesting part of her character. Um, but, you know, the AI, you know, talking AI certainly isn't, uh, you know, a new aspect of sci-fi. You, have, you know, you have HAL, you have GLADOPS, you have all of these, uh, you know, well-established AI characters. Uh, and I, I think Apple would have a hard time making a case, um, you know, solely based on, you know, the Jane and Siri connection. Um on the other hand, you know, Apple's shown themselves to be very Sue happy, and, you know, who knows what I am. And, you know, I, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here um, talking about, about the possibility of a sequel because I think that there are so many fans who, who would argue that there shouldn't be a sequel. What reasons would you be able to think of why fans would have want uh, a sequel? Well, I think, for starters, Ender's Game is much better known than any of the other books in the series. If you, if you say, oh, Shadow for the Hegemon's coming out next year, or Xenocide's coming out next year, people aren't really going to know what you're talking about. If you say Ender's Game, 
I think a lot of people have name recognition with that. Now, certainly, I think Summit would be able to, you know, build on the success of Ender's Game and, you know, have it run a successful marketing campaign. Um, but You know, I, I don't see that, that name recognition being such a big problem, you know, um, with the Hunger Games franchise. Uh, the second movie is coming out uh, just a few weeks after Ender's Game is being released. But they've retitled um, for cinema purposes. They've called it um, the Hunger Games Catching Fire, right? That's what they called it. So the name recognition is still there. I don't think it would be as appropriate in terms of Ender's Game, um, depending on which route they take for the sequel, if there's a sequel. Um, but I don't see name recognition being such a big problem. Especially if especially if Ace of Butterfield is is signed on. Yeah. Uh, well, so one other counterpoint on the name recognition thing, of course, is simply that you know, Hunger Games or Twilight or Harry Potter uh, or Narnia or Lord of the Rings are all well known as series, and Ender's Game simply isn't well known as a series. It's well known for that book. And so I think that's where the marketing disadvantage lies. I think you're right that they probably could enable some creative retitling, you know, simply build on the, uh, you know, re- the make use of their ability to rename the film. Uh, as far as other reasons not to produce sequels. Uh, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that um, the actors will have aged too much. Um, it's already been, at the time of this recording, six months since they've finished um, filming. And by the time the movie comes out, it'll be how long? I don't know. but So, so that, that actually doesn't worry as, me as much because, you know, we frequently see, uh, you know, college-age people being cast as high schoolers all the time in Hollywood. Uh, but also, you know, the back end of the Ender series, or the Shadow series, they actually should be much older. They should be kind of reaching that, you know, maybe even college graduate stage of life. I, I think the Shadow series isn't really clear on time scale, um, but it's certainly long enough for several wars to be waged uh, and, you know, for ongoing military campaigns to be fought uh, and for and to get married, uh, you know, those are all pretty significant characters. And I think there's large spans of time that kind of go by in several pages shadow series. And so I think by the end of that, the age of the actors would actually be more appropriate. I think, I think the biggest barriers are actually, in a lot of ways, what they may have left out. Because I, I just have a hard time seeing a development of the Shadow series in which we don't know about Locke. Right? He ends the League, you know, he, Peter ends the League War. Uh, and if we haven't developed, you know, his and Valentine's characters as online agitators and, you know, common uh, political commentators, I... I have a hard time seeing how you can realistically transition into Peter taking over the world. 
uh, in the next three books. Uh, what do you think about that? I completely agree. I think that um, if they're trying to go into a shadow series, they're going to have a really tough time um, selling it um, without introducing the lock and the box. Mothney's um, subplot, and I think that if if Summit Entertainment, the Alliance, is really trying to sell that, that maybe they need to go back and refilm some of those. Do you think, you know, they've told us that Locke and Demosthenes are pretty much being cut. Do you think we'll see some flashes or some hint that there's something going on? Do you think they'll try and work that in at all, or do you think it's gone? Well, I think that's something we're just going to have to wait and see. It's uh, something that we've definitely been told will be cut, but whether or not there will be flashbacks or and or allusions to it um, is something we're going to have to wait once the movie has post-production and has been released. I mean, I doubt certain members of the post-production team, um, like the producers, even know whether or not that's actually going to make it past the cutting floor, if it has even been filmed. But that's all we have time to talk about today. Thank you for listening to our Philotic Ansible podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at Enders Ansible. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And be sure to visit EndersAnsible.com for your Enderscene news and PhiloticWeb.net for a really nice Enderscene fan community. Thank you, Thomas, for recording with us. Thanks for having me. Remember, the enemy's gate is down.